Hello, this is Joe, the Connection Counselor, and today on Executive Presence Morsels, we'll be sampling another bite-sized learning to help you be seen, be heard, and be elevated. Welcome to another episode of Executive Presence Morsels, Ask Me Anything. This question comes from Michael Tischler, uh, a contact of mine on LinkedIn, uh, great guy, super supportive, and we've had lots of great conversations on LinkedIn, and I really appreciate him sending in this question. Um, he actually wrote this down, so I don't have uh, an audio, but I'll share, I'll paraphrase uh, what he sent in. So his basic question, the gist of it, is he's seen a lot of very talented people stagnate in their careers. Right? They get to a certain point, and they're not considered for any upward movement whatsoever. Now, he admits that some of these shouldn't be moved up, right? They're, they're good at what they do, and they're not really able to get to the next level, and that's fine. However, he's seen others who have the ability, the drive, and, you know, talented, and, and they're working on great projects, but yet, for some reason, they don't make, and I'm using air quotes, the list uh, where people are somehow promotable. And to add salt to that wound, there are others who have less ability to get promoted, who do get promoted. They don't have the same talent uh, as the people who got stuck. And it could be for any, you know, various number of reasons, whether they're drinking buddies, friends, or, you know, great at, you know, sucking up uh, to the bosses or just more politically savvy. So how might executive presence help them to get on that list? What can people do to show they're a better choice than those who are being moved up ahead of them, perhaps who don't uh, deserve, and that's, you know, relatively, it's a judgment, right? But who don't deserve to be uh, moved up uh, based on some measure of their, like, talent and, and, and ability rather than, you know, politics. Great question. We all see this. Right? We all see someone where like you see them and you're like, they don't do any work, right? Like what are they doing? And somehow they're like a rocket ship. They're just climbing higher and higher and higher. And it can be really discouraging and, and demotivating, or even at you know, at the best, it can be head scratching, like, what is going on here? Like, you know, uh, you know, what do they know? <laughs> Who are they blackmailing that, that that they can rise so high while, you know, seemingly having so much less talent than others uh who are getting stuck. So today we're going to talk about, in terms of executive presence, how it can help the people who should move up but are getting stuck, right? We're not going to worry about the people who who got stuck and should have been stuck. We're not going to worry about the people who shouldn't move up um, but are. Well, we're going to focus specifically on the people who are getting stuck but really have a lot, of, a lot more potential uh, to go higher. So thanks for that question, Michael. Well, for me, and this happened fairly recently, right? Life got a lot easier for me in terms of how I think about my career and my satisfaction with what's going on in organizations when I really disabused myself of the notion that the best person for the job is the one that gets it, right? It's not the best person, and by that I mean the way that, you know, Michael was describing it, right? The person who's the most talented and, you know, who, who quote unquote, you know, should get it. 
Now, executive presence can really help with that. However, it's not an antidote for cronyism or, or nepotism. So we're going to put that to the side for now, right? I'm talking about the situation where, you know, the leaders are ethical, uh, you're doing or that person is doing a good job and they could or should advance, but they're still getting stuck. So the problem is one more of, of recognition and match. It's, it's not uh, a problem of, you know, kind of deceit uh, or sort of dirty uh, you know, politics. So in order to sort of figure out what's going on, let's explore how promotion decisions are made. You know, let's use our imaginations. There's a room, uh, it's a conference room with the leaders, and there's maybe a limited number of slots for specific roles. How do they pick who gets their, those roles? You know, what is the actual process? And what's going on is it's like an audition by proxy because the contestants are actually not in the room, right? The people who are potentially going to get promoted aren't in the room when the discussion is going on. And we all know this happens. You know, maybe we even seen the room. We know where the room is, but we're not in the room when the discussions are happening. So what's actually happening? The contestant is being represented by a champion, a champion for them. It's usually their boss and other bosses, right? So think about Mad Max beyond Thunderdome, right? You know, several people enter, only one's going to leave with the prize, right? How do they decide who gets that prize, right? Do they put some sort of data into the computer? Do they just decide whoever in the algorithm gets the highest mark, they get promoted? No, of course not. If they did that, there would be no meeting. There would just be a computer and some programmers and an answer and an email would go out, congratulations, you're promoted. Why would we even be talking about this if there was some fundamentally objective way that this happens? No, we all know there's much more that goes into it. So what's actually going on, right, is each contestant has their champion. And those, cha what does that champion do? Well, it's like a gladiator kind of thing. It's like Mad Max. Your champion goes into battle with other champions and they're representing someone else, right? So only one person can emerge victorious, right? There's, there's only one slot for that. So someone's got to win it, right? And so what do you think that entails? Well, it becomes very bloody. It becomes very stressful for the champion. You're not there, okay? You're, you're somewhere else. You don't even know the conversation, but your champion is in there fighting for you, hopefully, tooth and nail. And it's stressful. And they're putting your life, right, your career, right, not to be overly traumatic, you know, their life, right, on the line when they engage in battle. Because what can happen if, you know, they try to win for you and everyone thinks that you're horrible or you or they do win and you are the wrong candidate and you mess things up, then that actually hurts their career too. So think about this, all right? That's the situation for the, the, the champions. Who do you think they're going to pick to do battle for, right? And again, we're assuming this is an ethical thing. It's not like a, like a cronyism. They're not getting bribes or something, or it's like their buddy from fraternity or, or sorority, right? Like if they're actually trying to do the right thing and, and pick the best candidate, what is their process? Who are they picking are they picking the one who, who does the work the fastest or, 
you know, generates the most stuff, that would might seem to be logical, but it's actually incomplete, right? Who they're actually picking is they're picking the person. And remember, this is stressful for them, right? A lot's on the line for them, not just for you. They're picking the person who they think will succeed, right? They're thinking about the person who, if they win, is going to knock it out of the park. They don't want to be subject to you falling down flat on your face and then the other people who lost out to them when, when you won, you know, now they're going to hear like, I told you so, you know, I told you, you know, Greg couldn't do it. You know, I, I told you Susan couldn't do it. They don't want to hear that. They want to pick someone who they think is just going to just knock it out of the park. So in other words, what will motivate the champion to pick you or, you know, the person we're talking about who's not getting promoted over others that they could pick? And simply, it's their confidence in your ability to kill it in the next role. And that's basically the definition of executive presence we use, right? The ability to inspire confidence that you can lead well in a given situation. So you see, it's about a lot more than just being talented, doing your job well, being ethical. All of that matters. I mean, I think that's all so important. But I just want to disabuse you of the notion that that's all there is. It's not enough, right, to keep going higher if you don't pass what I call the executive presence promotion threshold. Do you pass that threshold that someone will put their own career and reputation on the line for you? And that's what makes you the best person, the most, you know, deserving person in their mind for them to go into battle for you, not any of those other things that you may think are more important. And here's the key. Once you understand this, you may see a gap, right, that you have in terms of generating that confidence, not in terms of what you do. You don't have to do your work any differently, but just connecting the work that you already do, which is great, I'm assuming it's great, with the confidence it inspires, the awareness that other people have, the, all the things that will lead them to pick you to go into battle and fight as hard as they can for you to get the next promotion. Michael, thanks for your excellent question. I hope this was helpful and lend, lend it some perspective. It's something that flummoxed me for, for many, many years um, as well. was so happy when I finally got some perspective on this, and I hope this is helpful to others out there as well. My name is Joe Kwan, the Connection Counselor. Thanks for listening to Executive Presence Morsels. Ask me anything. Remember, it's not what you say, do, or wear. It's how you make people feel that generates executive presence. Nothing else matters. Thank you for joining us for this bonus episode of Executive Presence Morsels, brought to you by our sponsors. Tune in next time for your daily dose of executive presence. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for another tasty Executive Presence morsel.